Corporate to Calm podcast. In 2017, I realized my personal life was completely at odds with my professional life. I am now on a journey to speak with entrepreneurs, community leaders, and beyond to discover what motivated them to make the change, what motivated them to move from corporate to calm. Hey there, you are very welcome to today's episode of Corporate to Calm. I'm speaking with Nevin Cody from Shenanigans Walks. Nevin is a magician, a walker, a talker, and with over 30 years experience in corporate, he wants to bring out the best in everybody and ensure that nobody gets left behind. I hope you enjoy Nevin's journey from corporate to calm. Hi, Nevin. How are you? I am great, Linda, and yourself? I'm not too bad. I'm not too bad. Um, we'll get straight into it. Uh, tell me a little bit about you and Shenanigans Walks. Well, I'm Nevin Cody. I come from Kilkenny and I have been in leadership and management positions pretty much my whole life since I started working. I worked in, in Primark for over 14 years and I worked all over the country or pennies. Then I was a regional manager in the ESB retail network. And I worked with them right up until we got taken over by Bank of Scotland, Ireland. And they introduced the Halifax branches around the country. So I became a regional manager for Halifax uh, around Ireland. Then I moved into a different role with them. And then they decided that it wasn't working out. It was the start of the recession and they were pulling out of Ireland. And they started to close the Halifax branches and a few of the other departments. So instead of going around opening more branches, we were going around closing all of the branches. And then a new company called Certus was created. And I started to work for Certus. We were managing all the Bank of Scotland accounts. And the team that I headed up was the debt counseling team. And our job was going out to people who hadn't been engaging with the bank, who hadn't been paying their mortgage. And it was to try and help people stay in their homes. But as you can imagine, that was quite a difficult job for us to do. Yeah. So then... After about uh, three or four years, Certus decided that that business was not what they thought it was going to be. And they decided they were going to start closing down over a, a, a short period. And one of the first teams that they decided to uh, make redundant one of the roles was our role, uh, the debt counseling team. So within a very short number of years, I went through redundancy uh, three on three occasions. So it was on the, the third occasion um that my life really started to change to where i am today um i suppose the first thing was my parents had owned their own business for over 40 years in yeah Kilkenny, and the soft, soft furniture business and on the week that Sartus announced that our roles were made redundant was the same week that they were retiring now i don't know about you but <clears throat> at that stage of my life whenever i had a crisis of some shape or form i usually would ring home normally my mom would come on the phone and gave me some great advice or a good kick up the backside if that's what was needed to get me motivated again. Uh, on this occasion, I actually didn't want to burden them because they were heading off that week on a holiday to celebrate their retirement. So instead of ringing them to tell them the news, I rang a good friend of mine, Steve. And the first words out of Steve's mouth when I told him was, he said, congratulations. And I said, what are you talking about? I've lost my job again. He said, yeah, I'm delighted for you. <laughs> and I said, okay, I, I need to understand what he's thinking is here. So we, we had a chat about it. And, and really, he had seen in me for a very long period of time that I'd really kind of grown to where I needed to grow within those roles. 
and that I needed to do something else for myself. And there yeah. were other things that I was really passionate about and that if I mix some of those skill sets together, I could maybe go a, a very different direction. So he invited me to uh, what was a, a round table event where there was entrepreneurs who were maybe in business three, four years. And you had to go around from table to table, a bit like speed dating, introducing your business. So one of the things that I suppose to tell the audience, I'm also a magician. So not only have I done all those things, but I'm also a magician. And my idea was that all the skills I'd learned over the years, I was going to smash them together and uh, become an entertainer. So Tony <laughs> Robbins, watch out. I was on the way. And that was the plan until I went to that roundtable event. Because I went to the first table, I told everybody, I'm going to be a trainer, I'm going to be a mentor, I'm going to be an entertainer, it's going to be fantastic. And then they started to ask me questions about the business and the business model and the finances and who the customers were. And by the time I got to the last round table, it was, I'm kind of thinking of mixing magic with my training. I'm kind of, I'm not really sure. Yeah. So that meant I had to go back a few steps. And really, it was about putting a proper structure together, proper business plan together to feel my way of what the next steps would be. And that's what I did. And what I needed to do was space them out. So the obvious one that was going to generate revenue for me very quickly was to use the skills that I'd had for over 30 years as a leader, as a manager, Mm -hmm. uh, through sales and networking and and negotiation and so forth. So I developed a few uh, sessions around that. So I got into the training world and I also started to mentor uh, businesses. And I do a lot of that training now where we're training people across a range of topics and we also do some mentoring and that then allowed me the freedom to turn into a professional magician as well yeah Uh, so I was able to enhance those skills and get out so I had two strands of income coming in from that in the early days quite low you're trying to become known and you're trying to feel your way through it but then I started to grow and grow and grow but as I said at the start I'm from Kilkenny Mm -hmm. And for anyone who's been to Kilkenny, we've got a beautiful medieval city here. And as a kid on the way to school or on the way home from school, we used to get stopped by American tourists looking for directions. So I've always been very passionate about tourism and I love to travel as well. But I often went on tours or in lots of places around the world and I wasn't inspired or energized and you get lots of facts and dates and and that's just not my thing. It is for some people. So I wanted to create something that gave you uh, an excitement, gave you an insight into a location, uh, but you also got some of the history, you got some of the facts, but you also got to hear about the locals and some of the little hidden gems and stories that you wouldn't normally get revealed to you. And of course, being a magician, I could not put the magic into it. So Shenanigans was born out of that. It was inspired uh, through a friend of mine who runs one in Bath, and he does a comedy walk. Now, I never wanted to do just a full comedy walk. I wanted to always have the history and show off our beautiful city. So I combined all of those things together. So like I was trying to do with the magic and the training in the early days and becoming a, a, a Tony Robbins watcher, watcher, your watcher road ahead. <laughs> uh, for me, I was able to combine the different skill sets that I had and go and present it at like almost like a show on the streets as we go through. So there's entertainment, there's interesting facts, there's history, uh, there's turns of phrase origins, and we explain those on the tour. Um, so that's how the whole shenanigans piece uh, evolved. And to this day, it's been amazing. In fact, 2020 
would have been probably our best year. We had really good bookings in place. We all know what happened 2020. Yeah. But that um, downfall for us during the year also opened up an opportunity. And I guess we'll talk about that a bit later on. So that's a little bit about who I am, Linda. Yeah. So basically then, but what, what I took from that, obviously, is you're a magician and shenanigans walks. But uh, I'm also a woman. So I did, my ears did prick up when I heard pennies. Um, so <laughs> tell me what, like, what did you do in pennies? And what have you learned from pennies that you brought? Because I'm sure that was a, a huge training ground that you brought to your own business. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's what haven't I learned. Yeah. There. I mean, working in a place with pennies and as long as I did, you learn so much. I mean, I started out as a trainee and I worked my way up through a lot. I even worked in the buying department uh, for a period of time. And then I would have finished up my last uh, seven or eight years working for pennies would have been in the O'Connell Street branch. And I was uh, managing there. There was 13 managers in the whole place. We had a couple of hundred staff. Um, I think the things that you learn is measuring your business. I think they, these were some of the things that, that are really learned. Managing your cash flow, uh, having your forecasted numbers, working your targets, measuring results across numbers of areas, not just numbers, but you know, stock control, uh, managing people. Yeah. And you learn a lot about managing people and you know, finding your style that works for you. I think when I started out, um, the parts that worked for me was the little cute um, guy who a lot of the, the particularly a lot of uh, females worked there, you know, and, you know, the likes, it was like the son that they never had. And then you grow up another little bit and it was like the, the guy that loved their daughter to me. So, and <laughs> then you get to the stage where that, none of that works anymore. And actually, you really have to evolve into a, a proper leader and yeah. respecting people and letting them have trust and freedom to grow and i'll be honest the, the most i learned wasn't just from other managers it was on the, the 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 teams on the floor that knew every nook and cranny and every single thing there is to know about their departments that's where you learn that's where you learn about merchandising that's where you learn about cash flow that's where you learn about sales and uh, putting displays together um, that was a great journey. So there were so many people to learn from. And I think for anybody, it doesn't matter where you start your work from, um, curiosity has to be a word that you use every day. You've got yeah. to be curious. Why do we do it that way? Why does it work? Why doesn't it work? Why doesn't we do it this way? You know, we always have to be curious about these things. And then it's got to be consistency. There are kind of two yeah. words I think are really important. It's got to be that consistent service, that consistent treatment of people, whatever it is that you're talking about. So curiosity and consistency for me are, are quite key words that we should be looking at. And so when you came up with the idea for Shenanigans Walks and I suppose the biggest thing that I'm intrigued about is how do you engage people for that long? So, I mean, your, your walk is how long and how do you engage and do you take your presenting tips in the boardroom is is it similar or do you learn from that yeah i think i think there's probably a number of areas uh, being part of the entertainment world you, you're obviously going to bring skills that are different than the the boardroom let's yeah. say um i suppose i've been very lucky in the entertainment world that i've been trained by joni spider um joni has passed away now she was david copperfield's 
a choreographer. Wow. And uh, but I also got mentored by Paul Daniels, the famous Paul Daniels and Debbie McGee. And I was very lucky to, to be able to go and spend time with him in his home. And in fact, Paul talked very little about magic. Um, we talked a lot about business. Okay. And he always reminded me, Nevin, you're in show business. But there is things that you learn about presenting to uh, a group of people and reading an audience. I think the things that I've learned a lot over the years is reading people and understanding, you know, different people, different styles of people that are going to be in your, let's call it the audience on a tour. So we've got a 90 minute tour, but that's, a, well, really, it's as slow as the, the, fast, the, the fastest person or the slowest person. But it's really, I, I, I guess it, it flows lovely. We've got a beautiful city. There's plenty to talk about. And it really is about checking in. I don't believe in having a script and we follow from start to finish, which you see a lot of. Um, you have to check in with people and if they're interested in something else. So we have some people coming to who are really not into the magic or comedy, but are really interested in the history. So we've got to flip it towards, you know, giving them lots of that for themselves. And There's can you other, read that straight away? Sometimes you do. And sometimes it takes, you know, a few minutes into the tour. But by chit-chatting with them and asking them lots of questions and engaging with them, you get a feel for it. Um, sometimes you have an opportunity to maybe talk to a chauffeur or a bus driver uh, in advance and they give you an idea of what they're really interested in from what they've done already. And um, so it's really that that check-in, I think, is really important as you're going around. And, you know, some people want to go off-piste, you know, and they'll ask me a question about an art gallery. And I say, well, you know what? It's not on the tour, but the Butler Gallery is just across the river. Would you like to go and let's do a quick tour in there? And they can go and spend a few minutes there. So it, it really is. Now, on the schedule tours, we don't do that because we have people coming at us from all directions. That's predominantly for the private tours. But even on the schedule tours, I will check in with everybody going around. And I really do try to get to talk to everybody as we go around. So if you were on the tour and up the front, I'd say, Linda, you see that building up there? Walk to there and wait for me. And then I'll head back to the back and I'll talk to somebody at the back. Mm-hmm. And just make sure they're in. Because some people are not comfortable talking in groups, but they have really interesting questions to ask. Yeah. And that engagement then as well adds to the script because... A lot of the funny things that have happened or the interesting stories I have to tell have come from people on the tour yeah. and, do- and those interactions. And, and if it's really good, it gets written down and then we, we try it again. And if it helps me get that consistent laugh back to the consistency again, then it stays in. And that's how it really evolves. So the boardroom side of things. Um, yes, there is definitely school audience management you know, timelines, mm-hmm. sticking to the agenda and not going too far off piste. And if you do go off piste, being able to bring people back onto the agenda, yeah. that's an important role as a guide going through the city because they are in our hands. You know, when we take someone through the streets of our city, they've handed themselves over to us, not only to give them a great and amazing time, but their safety is in our hands as well, that they're trusting us that we're going to take them to nice places, make it fun and interesting and look after them for that 90 minutes or so. And so we know that, um, well, I know the audience might not know that you opened up over the weekend, which is fantastic, but we, it's been a hard year for everybody. So what has been the best thing about this year and what has been the worst thing about this past year and what have you learned from both scenarios? <laughs> Okay, interesting question. Uh, for me, let's start with the worst, yeah. um, the, the obvious and the elephant in the room. It's, it's finances. 
Right. You know, you, yeah. you, um, now I'm lucky. I've got three revenue streams coming into, you know, three kind of different businesses and two of them finished and one kept going, which is yeah. the training and the mentoring side yeah. of things. Uh, so I think that's really important. But, you know, that makes a change. We were really good to have uh, or really lined up to have a really good year in 2020 for shenanigans. Now, that was a number of years of hard graft to make get us to that place where those bookings were in place so you know you did feel a little bit inflated deflated at the beginning of the year and it was kind of oh man we worked so hard at this and will i keep going or is this a sign from above saying oh no don't keep going so you have that that mountain to get over and, and but you have to get over that quickly and you realize look every wave is just a wave and be ready to move on um for me i saw more of an opportunity out of the year it was an opportunity to work on projects that probably would have never got done. I kept um, kept in the back burner and I was able to move them forward. And a, a few new product offerings. It also allowed me to build some stronger relationships with existing clients yeah. and build up on some uh, clients that I've been trying to engage for a while. And, you know, how we dealt with the situation and we, we actually committed to giving 100% refunds to people, but did try to keep people incentivized to leave the bookings with us yeah and you know that uh, meant a lot to them because they were going through a crisis and they had many many customers who were coming back looking for their money and to, to know that they had some revenue coming back to them meant a lot to some of our providers but they're not going to forget that and they're mm-hmm. already on the phone to us you know for later this year and for early next year so 2020 for me was an opportunity to to move forward I suppose for a while when you're running a number of businesses, you know, it's, it can very easy be working in the business with lots mm-hmm. of parts pulling you. And, you know, while I always try to take the satellite view, it's not always easy to pull yourself away. So that allowed me to, to pull away and look at what I really needed to do. And in shenanigans, we had been focusing predominantly on an international audience mm-hmm. that were coming to us here. And we hadn't, even though we had served many domestic um, guess yeah some of them um ha- wouldn't have seen advertisement from us or a pull from us because we hadn't gone after it and we had to pivot yeah and we realized that okay we should have done this earlier we hadn't done but we started to pivot our business and that was a, a big opportunity but it was also a challenge and it was also a regret you know that we yeah. should have done it earlier yeah but these were the learning uh, from it but we now have a plan put in place for the future and what we want the future to look like both for domestic and international guests that come to us. The great thing for us is we didn't have to change anything. The tour is so strong um, that it's not just history and facts. There's so yeah. much energy in it. Um, there's so much fun in it. There's magical entertainment it's for all ages yeah. um, that it was received so well. And I was really proud of that, that when we started seeing the reviews coming in, albeit small numbers, that when we were allowed to reopen last year, um, they were so positive that it really gave us the encouragement that actually, no, we, we have a model that's working really well and it's for everybody, mm-hmm. uh, both international and domestic. Uh, so that was really what 2020 looked like. And it has fed right into 2021. Yeah. You know, it's going to be a slow rise back up. And I think the thing that any business that's come out the other side of it should be proud of is we're here. Yeah. And it might be, in a difficult position there might be managing there's actually not might be there will be challenging times ahead both financially and customer wise and but together 
we can get it back to where it was. Together, we can make sure we give confidence back to people who want to go traveling. And, you know, the, the COVID thing is thankfully starting to dissipate now. It's still yeah. here amongst us, but it doesn't need to be in people's faces, but they need to be reassured that the protections are still there. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I think if you and I went into a restaurant tomorrow, if there's big yellow signs all over the place, we're kind of going to be switched off about it. But we walk in and there's hand sanitizers and the staff are doing all the right things. We'll feel comfortable. Yeah. But if we go into a different restaurant and those things are not there, we'll notice them. Yeah. And that's what will make us uncomfortable. And I think that's what every business needs to be doing going forward is, is talking to the customers, help reassure them, making sure that, that they don't allow things dissipate over a period of time. You could see it at the tail end of last year that you could go into certain places and the hand sanitizer machines weren't being refilled on a regular basis yeah. and there was no longer people on the door. And we just can't get complacent with this because it could have an impact on us. And we're going in the right direction and we all wanted to get to a place where we can just get back to a new normality for ourselves. You talked about that satellite view and um, I suppose as an entrepreneur and somebody who owns a business and I'm speaking from myself as well over the past year, it's really difficult when you're pivoting and when you're trying to move forward to switch off. Do you switch off and are you good at it? How do you switch off? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, you know, it's a big one. I think when you're running your own business, you can never switch off. Mm. Um, there's always going to be a, a, some some part of you drawing you back to your business. But I do think there is things that you can put in place uh, to help you with that. And first of all, you have to have somewhere to escape to. Mm-hmm. Um, be it going on holidays or, you know, I take weekly vacations, I call them. Okay. And that is, that is you know, at the moment I wear a Fitbit every day. I've lost uh, almost five stone Congratulations. Uh, in, the, in the last you know, 14 <laughs> months, uh, the extra stone was just today, actually this morning, believe it or not. Well done. Um, so so for me, a weekly vacation means that there is no Fitbit, okay. that there is no phone. And I go for a walk on a Friday. I celebrate the week. I normally go somewhere with my wife or with the dog or even on my own, go into the woods. And it's amazing after 20, 30 minutes, you know, you stop thinking about things and you just enjoy the surroundings and allow yourself to have that headspace and we need to have that headspace i think you also need to think in ink you know if something's going on if there's a challenge going on in your business you got to write it down you got to get it out of your brain get it out of your head put a plan about how you're going to tackle it and put it away for 24 hours or eight hours even anything to be able to to take a break and um step away Mm -hmm. and the the other thing is having that hobby is really important. Now, for me, my hobby was always magic, but that now has a job uh, for me. So my new hobby is gardening. I love to garden and it's very relaxing. It's very peaceful. It's a great escape. And I'm very lucky that my wife likes to do the same same thing. So we, yeah. we enjoy that passion. Um, but I think you, you we have to remind ourselves of the journey that we're on. We have to think of it almost like a battery. That's, you know, if you keep using the battery and leave the light on, all of the time, the, the power will just eventually dissipate from that battery and you need to be able to recharge it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you don't maintain ourselves and maintain our mental health as well as our physical health, that is going to have a detrimental effect, not just on you, but on your business 
and the people who rely on you and your business to be successful, be it employees or your own family, yeah. as the case may be. So I think you've got to block in time. You've got to schedule your week and make sure that you work to that schedule. Um, ensure that, um, you know, that's, that time becomes ingrained in you that at least once a week or once a fortnight, you're stepping outside of that business. And you have to find something that helps you. Really. It could be walking. Mm-hmm. It could be playing some sports. And if you're going on holidays and you can't relax for the two weeks that you're away or whatever it might be, well, set yourself an hour in the morning. So mm-hmm. get, up, get up before everybody else gets up. And at six o'clock in the morning or at half five in the morning, do an hour's work, check your emails, do the phone. And if a few phone calls need to be responded to later in the morning, schedule them in between 11 and 12. And then the phone goes off and you go away and you'll feel far more relaxed about it then. Yeah. There's nothing outstanding. And of course, there'll never be an end to it. They will keep coming in. And the other side of it as well is if you constantly respond to emails and answer the phone every time customers ring you um they'll expect you particularly your regular customers they'll expect you to answer the phone and they'll they'll also feel a bit more comfortable ringing you at 10 o'clock at night as they will at 10 o'clock in the morning so you have to create those boundaries and the only person that can control those and yours if you offer a good enough service and a good enough product and you have customers who are part of your tribe they'll wait Mm-hmm. They will come back to, to you again. And as long as you do it the right way, you let them know, look, we're not available right now. We'll call you back within 12 hours or 24 hours or whatever the, the thing is. And then just don't break that promise. Yeah. So if you say 12 hours you, that they'll have a call back, it can't be 12 minutes, 12 hours and one minute. It has to be within that 12 hours. Keep that promise. And that's how you'll build a trust with your, with your customers who will become loyal to you for that. And um, disclosure that uh, you're actually a, a mentor of mine, Nevin. So I know that you're a big man for pro- processes and um, you just talked about boundaries there as well. Like if, if you were speaking to somebody who is new to business, what would you say would be the top three things to implement into their business to make life a little bit easier? So I'm only allowed three. Oh, my God. Well, uh, if you have more, you can you can give more. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I think um, the, one of the best investments I made was, um, or two of them, was a CRM system and a booking system. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've, they've changed everything. So the more I can automize now um, and my services, that's what I'm looking uh, to do. I think you've got to look at the tasks in your business and think, first of all, you have to measure in your business. You've got to have sales targets and aim to hit those targets and the best example of that is in the sports world you know if you, if you watch the Dublin Martin or watch the Olympics you know you'll see people crossing the line and they're clicking the watch on their arm they're looking to do personal best they, mm-hmm. they're trying to beat a target and they're trying to get better and better and better but if we don't measure the things in our business we can't stretch ourselves we can't understand if sales are poor why they're so poor or we can't understand if sales are really good how we can get a bit more out of that and and stretch it that a little bit further or can we get up sales or cross sales? So I think that managing your, your numbers is really important. And the automation piece for me would be a big one. And then planning to outsource where you can mm-hmm. and, de- and delegate. You know, if we, we don't have employees, we've got to learn to delegate. 
uh, different tasks. And that'll allow you to become more efficient in your business. So the more you can delegate uh, to other people. So I have a social media person now who does work for me there. I have an editor. Um, her name is Wife. Um, but, 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 she, but any copy that I have, anything that needs to be edited, you know, that's her thing. It's not my thing. I, I'm creative and, and I just know I could look at something sometimes 10 times and not see the grammatical errors or not okay. see the, but so I think, you know, having people like that around you who are prepared to help. And then I have a few other uh, people who I can tap into for support and ideas, just like they tap into me. And we do a bit of barter, a bit of quid pro quo. Uh, working with one another. I think that's important to surround us. So having those support, we cannot do it all on our own. Mm-hmm. We all have moments where we're challenged ourselves, or we have a, a barrier, an obstacle to get over. So to have a small group of people around you, as you know, Linda, we have the board you can't afford. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that the concept of that is where, you know, a group of people meet, they share their goals, they share their challenges, and the rest of the group give some ideas, give some support and celebrating successes as well and meeting on a regular basis. And that helps you move forward. And I always advise people, it's great to be around people in your industry, mm-hmm. but also hang around with people outside your industry. Because when you're in an industry, you get groupthink. And yeah. that can be important for some jobs and some tasks. But then sometimes if you want to really stretch yourself and really get innovative, it's good to look at and talk to people in other industries. And that makes you think a little bit differently. How do they solve the problems? Because if you're in one industry, most people in that industry will solve challenges the same way because you've come through the same you know, um, direction. Whereas someone from a different industry might uh, deal with that very differently. And that could be so beneficial to your business, to your mm-hmm. world. And that just transforms it and gives you maybe a, a unique value proposition that none of your competitors have because you've introduced this from another industry type. So you mentioned that um, you've opened back up uh, this weekend, which is amazing. Yay! And, <laughs> and you've got two. So now we have two offerings. We have the international offering and we have the national offering. Um, is there any more ideas in the pipeline? Um, have you have you are you somebody with loads of ideas but yes I'm I uh, unfortunately for for my head I've always <laughs> got I've got tons of ideas um from a the, the shenanigans point of view and the magic point of view um yes there's a couple of things in the pipeline okay. uh, I know uh, when you sent me a message during the week you know uh, you know was there anything in the pipeline and you know, can you talk about them? So yes, there is things in the pipeline. Can I talk about them? Absolutely not. Love it. Um, they are top secret at the moment. Uh, but the great news is, is one of them to do with shenanigans is in test mode. Uh, I've partnered up with an international company to develop this. I'm really excited about it. It had its second run in uh, yesterday with a very small group. And it really is to hone it and to make it a lot better than what it is right now. And it's quite strong as it is, I think. So there's a few tweaks to be gone through, but we got amazing feedback over the weekend, uh, just yesterday, which which just had me buzzing uh, afterwards. So I'm really excited about that. And we're hoping in the next um, eight weeks that that should be launched into the, the marketplace. And it is something that should be relatively new in Ireland. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not aware of anyone else that's doing it. And my objective will be to get it into other locations other than Kilkenny 
uh, ASAP. Oh, fantastic! Uh, so, so that's where we're in the magic side. Yes, I'm I'm working on a on a new show that I want to get out. I haven't really got out and done a show in a few years, not since my day um, in the Bram Stoker Museum in Dublin, which was a few years ago. Now, I've just been doing lots of you know parties and different events mm-hmm. uh, and weddings and things like that. So the the new show is something I've been working on for quite a while, and it's starting to come together now. So I'm hoping later this year maybe we'll do. Um, a launch on that as well. That's kind of leading into the next question. I was, uh, tell me something not a lot of people know about you, but you've kind of told me loads there. <laughs> yeah, so there's probably there's probably not a lot that people don't know because um, you know I am quite open. I love to share. I mean, we, we've talked a lot about the magic and shenanigans, but you know there is development going on on the training side as well, and there's a few things happening in the background there that I've been working on. And I really am very passionate about sharing. Mm-hmm. I'm not into this thing that's, uh, you know, okay, I've, I've just told you, I'm about to say this now after just telling you this thing is top secret. Of <laughs> course, we have to protect our ideas yeah. and, and get them perfected out there. But in terms of knowledge and skill set, you know, we can all learn from one another and we should be just sharing. And there's room for everybody out there, no matter what industry you're in. And so I'm always happy to share. So I'm pretty much an open book. I, I, the thing before today, and I've already mentioned today, it was really the gardening. A lot of people don't know I'm very passionate. I'm not the plant person. Um, my wife is the, if you ask me the names, I'll not know the names. But what I am really good at is the design element mm-hmm. and I mix it, mix in different textures and different leaf styles and different heights. And, you know, we've been working on our garden now for a couple of years and it's probably only this year uh, another opportunity that happened in 2020 um, that is really coming together now the way we 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 envisaged it or, or should I say the way I envisaged it um, but the it, it really is coming together and we're having lots of fun with that and that's a real escape as well I mean I mm-hmm. can spend hours out there but it's also where I get creative with my ideas there is times I've had to run in from the garden grab my notepad and and write it down because our brains are really interesting things. If they're not stressed and if we're working ideas and we think in ink and we get it down on paper, subconsciously, our brains are chipping away at those things. It's like when you wake up at night, if you had a dream and you're you're dreaming about a place you used to know as a kid and there's somebody else from a different part of your life in the same room and there's four or five things going on. You're saying, what the hell is going on there? Well, that's our brain just compartmentalizing things for us. And our subconscious is really fascinating about how it works on challenges and problems and solutions. So I love that. That's what I get in the garden. I don't even need to be asleep anymore. I get transported to this other place and I'm just digging through the clay and I forget about the world around me. And then my brain is clearly working away on some other idea. Whereas if that is a day that you're stressed, Mm-hmm. And you're wound up and your maybe stomach is tight and you're you're getting anxious about it. Or maybe it's a phone call you have to make to something that you don't want to make. You're, you can't think about those things. You can't be innovative. And everybody needs to have some time in their business to be innovative. Mm-hmm. And every part of our business needs some innovation from yeah. waste control to the finances to cost control to how we sell, how we promote our business, all of those things. And that's the thing for me that a lot of people don't know and it's the thing that probably my parents instilled in me as well as a a strong worth ethic um we did everything in the house from gardening to cooking to cleaning me and my brother uh you weren't allowed you know watch tv or have 
bars of chocolate or apples or whatever it was until all the little jobs were done. Yeah. The great thing about that is when I left home for the first time and I was living with other people, you know, maybe sometimes six, seven, eight years older than me, I was often the only person in the house that knew how to cook, knew how to clean, knew how to iron, iron the shirt. And I used to make pocket money for ironing other people's clothes. <laughs> so it was great. Always the entrepreneur. <laughs> for sure, yeah. <laughs> so at Corporate to Cam, we're all about the taking a risk to create your own happiness. What advice would you give somebody about to jump off the cliff of career change? Um, jumping off the cliff. Well, <laughs> Corporate to Cam, I always love. I, I don't think I've gone from Corporate to Cam. I think I've gone from Corporate to Content. Um, I, I think there's my my head is just far too full of things to be calm, <laughs> but but I, I'm I'm very content. I don't think I've ever been happier uh, in the last few years. My life is you know in my control now. My days off are in my control. Uh, there's far more things I can do that I couldn't have done uh, before. I think if you're planning to go into entrepreneurship. I think one of the key things that is not done enough by people is their research. Yeah. Um, I think you really have to do a lot of detailed research into, is there an actual demand there and can you make margin for that business? And not just for the next six months, it's about building a sustainable business for yourself. So you really have to do a lot of research and The great thing is, is the more research you do, you often, the idea that you start with starts to shift because you start to see an opening, you start to see the lane that you should be actually in with -hmm. your product or with your service. And then it's about going out and testing it, you know, Mm -hmm. and do some testing with the people. And for anyone that's, you know, not a great risk taker, but then, you know, the more information you have, the more uh, research you have, that's you never get rid of risk, but you start feeling more comfortable that it's more calculated risk that you're starting mm-hmm. to take and that the figures are not guesses. You know, when it, when it comes to sales and forecasts, they're more like guesstimations okay. based on the research that you've done. So you're taking more of a calculated risk then. And, you know, when you know then you've built those wings and you've done the muscles and they're all built up, well, then it's time to take that leap of faith mm-hmm. and to go for it. But some people may not be prepared to do that. Some people may not be able to afford to do that because they've got families and we still have to eat and we still have to pay the bills. So find another way. If you really want to do it bad enough, you can find another way. Maybe you work part-time for a period of time mm-hmm. in that new job. And I call it the seesaw where, you know, it tips the, tip the scale. And when that new business is making more money than your current job, but then you can make a good business decision for yourself to take yeah. that leap. Um, but, you know, do it, you know, don't be just talking about it for a long period of time. You know, don't be waiting for a perfect thing. It doesn't exist. You know, you got to get a minimal viable product together and our service, and then you've got to launch it and you got to put it out there. And you know what? People will give feedback and people often see feedback as a dirty word. It's not. It's the best word you can get from anybody because that helps you grow. That helps you evolve. That helps you learn. Yes. You might feel awful at that time. Yes, you might, you know, feel sorry for yourself and want to curl up in a ball. I've been there. I've done, you know, walking tours in the early days and there was parts of it. You're going, oh, my God, did I did that actually happen? But, you know, what's the best thing that happens for you because you go away and you think about it. And you say, how do I make it better and how do I change it? And people think sometimes when you have when you get this feedback, you have to change everything. Sometimes you might only have to change one or two words in something. 
to make all of the difference that encapsulates the, the audience for you. So I always get reminded of an old Scottish poem and I can never remember who wrote it, but it was called Come to the Edge. Mm-hmm. And it was come to the edge. And the other said, no, we will fall. Come to the edge. No, it's too high. Come to the edge. And they did. And I pushed and they flew. Yeah. And I like to think that's what I do in my training with people who come with the ideas and they're either just about to start or have started or just even have a concept. And when we're working with them, we want them at the end to to know the skill sets of how to build those wings, to find all that evidence that they need to make sure that they've got a good sustainable business, but also then to have the courage to go and take that leap and stretch themselves. And there is so many people out there who would love to start their own business and they're getting up every morning and driving to a job or getting on a bus to go to a job that they absolutely hate. And they keep thinking about this thing for years and years and years and don't do anything about it. And then there's the few really brave ones who go for it and go after it. I think my biggest challenge when I started was um, not necessarily getting out and selling yourself. And there were some challenges with that. I think the biggest thing for me is I used to get paid every month (laughs) for 30 years. I got a salary paid into my bank account every single month and now nothing. Yeah, we all struggle with that, and, I think. Yeah, but, but I had to come up with strategies around that. And, and I was able to get people then to book me further out. And when I had things booked further out, it mightn't be necessarily the full amount I needed for that period. But you started to get really comfortable. Oh, there's bookings coming in. There's bookers booking six months out. Mm-hmm. And you do this. <sighs> okay, now... I just need to make up the other 50%. So where's that going to come from? And you start thinking differently. And so when you start thinking strategically about these things, rather than this panic all the time of Robin, Peter, paying Paul, Robin, Peter, paying Paul, you actually put a plan together and a strategy together about how we're going to have that income or whatever success looks like to you. And so success for everybody is different. You know, someone to make lots of money, someone to do some social good, someone to only work, one or two days a week and have the rest of the time off. doesn't matter what you think that looks like. The one common denominator every business had is viability. Mm-hmm. You have to have a viable business and planning out ahead the seasonality uh, of it. Um, are you covered during the months that there's no sales? Planning for the what ifs. I mean, COVID-19 should teach every business in the country now that the contingency plan must be in place. Diverse sources of income needs to be in place. And all of these things should be planned out in advance, not in the middle of a crisis. We don't make good decisions in the crisis. So think about the scenarios before that. That is the Mm -hmm. key. So before we head off, um, I have a little quick fire round for you, Nevin. So a couple of quick either ors. Um, So we'll get going. The first is magic or walks. Oh, magic or walks? Walks without magic. Is that what you mean? Walks without magic, yeah, I suppose, yeah. Oh, in the regime I'm in at the moment, I was going to say walks, but no, magic will win out every time. <laughs> yeah. uh, the Marble City or Kilkenny? Oh, Marble City. We are a city. <laughs> oh, man. Penner Teller. <laughs> Oh, um, it'll have to be Teller every time. He's a genius in the in the paradigm. Uh, pennies or ESB? 
Oh, Ooh. I, I'm not going to answer because I, I learned just as much from both. I, I think I probably have to say pennies if I had to choose because I walked into the ESB with all of that skill set that that helped me so well in the ESB. So let's say my grounding came from pennies. So let's go there. And I still have a love for there as well. Uh, savory or sweet? Oh, sweet. Every time. <laughs> Teaching or learning? Oh, the, I think I enjoy... Yeah, I enjoy them just as much, but teaching, I like the reward. I like um, when I see someone doing really successful um, from something that I've given them, or at least from part of what I've given them. So, yeah, I, I think teaching. Tea or coffee? Coffee. Ireland or abroad? Ireland. Langtons or Matt Miller's? Oh, man, <laughs> that's a lousy one. Um uh, I'm sorry to Ray Brophy if, he, if he's listening. Uh, he's, he's a really good friend, but Langton's. Uh, Paul Daniels or David Blaine? Oh, Paul Daniels, every time. <laughs> Is there anything else you'd like to share? Um, anything else I'd like to share? Um, I just say to people, look, if, if invest in yourself, I think it's really important. Always invest in yourself. Take as much knowledge in as you can from every source you can get it from because it will feed somewhere into your life or into your business. Um, do the research, never stop doing it, never give up. You got to find a way. That's your job. You've heard me, Linda, look at the world through yep. a different lens. There's no, I can't. It's just, <laughs> I cannot do it right now, but I will find a way or somebody to help me get over it, get under it, get around it or lift me over that wall. Um, I think here's the thing. There was a, a guy called Norman Vaughan, and he was an explorer uh, with um, Admiral Byrd uh, into the Antarctic. And when he was there, Admiral Byrd uh, named a mountain after him. And I saw a documentary on this about maybe 30 years ago now at this stage. And Norman Vaughan's life um, ambition was to climb that mountain. So the documentary, he was now in his late 70s, I think he was at the time. And he made several attempts during this documentary to get to the mountain. The first one, he got sick. Second one, they ran out of money. The third attempt, uh, I think a plane crash that, that killed the people who were going to help him climb to the top. And then on the last time he climbed to the mountain, when he got to the very top, the cameraman turned to Norman Vaughan. It was an amazing story and asked him, had he any uh, thing for the people at home and he said dream big and dare to fail and I thought oh wow and that was my motto for a lot of years until I changed it a few years ago to dream big and dare to win yeah because I don't like the word failure we should always be having a different language with ourselves so dare to win so I'll leave everybody with one interesting task to do if that's okay yes so everybody who's listening, get a piece of string and measure out 100 centimeters on that piece of string. Then I want to measure out on that string your age. So when you get to that age, that measurement, cut it. And what's left of the string is how much life you possibly have left. The average age now is about 100 years of age. So the 100 centimeters represents your life and the 33 or the 43 or the 53, whatever you cut off, represents your life that's gone past. The rest is what you have left. 
life is not long. It's quite short in the whole scheme of things. Do something, find something that you love to do and pursue it and pursue it with passion, energy and drive and never get up until you get there and enjoy it when you do get there. That's right. what I'd like to finish on. Thank you very much. Well, I want to finish on how can people find you? Thank you very much for that finish. But where can we find Nevin Cody? Uh, probably hiding under a bench now after this interview today. <laughs> um, uh, people, well, we mentioned shenanigans a few times. You know, I'd love people not only just find me, even if they're not looking for me, but give us a, a like and a share on Instagram and Facebook, Shenanigans Walks. Uh, but they can also reach out there as well. Just say there's a message for Nevin or they can find me on LinkedIn as well. And I'm always happy, you know, get in touch. Just let me know where you've come, uh, come across me. And if I can be of any help with anything, I'm always happy to share. And if you're in Kilkenny direction, uh, come and do our tour. You'll have an amazing experience and we'll have a bit of fun. Uh, maybe we get to talk a little bit more about what we've discussed here today in a bit more detail. Thank in you that, very much, Nevin. No problem, Linda. It was an absolute pleasure. Thank you for asking me to do this. And, uh, I hope everybody gets something from what I had to say today. So do I. Thank you. Great. Talk to you soon. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Corporate to Cam podcast. Please subscribe, leave a nice review, or simply come back and listen to us next time. I'm Linda Monaghan, motivating you to make that leap from corporate to cam. Thank you.